The sweet sound of sports you love from Sling. The collide of football pads. The squeak of shoes on a basketball court. The crack of the bat on a home run. The slice of skates cutting across the ice. But what about this one? That's the sound of all the sports you love. All at once. Starting at $40 a month. Experience it all live with Sling. Sling. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, (laughs) That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome on to an actual NBA basketball to analyze edition of Hollinger and Duncan. We got so many questions last week that we're going to still answer a bunch of those, but we'd be remiss if we don't begin by just talking about some of our early impressions of the season. And let's open the floor to you, John. I've got my own thoughts, obviously, but anything that has stood out to you, any seismic shifts in uh, what you thought was going to happen versus uh, what we've seen? I'm confused by all these seismic blowouts and the... uh the decline of the transitive property. <laughs> if the if the Clippers beat the Lakers and the Lakers blow out the Mavs, then what should happen when the Clippers play the Mavs? Uh, lose by 50, obviously, right? Yeah, yeah. So uh, there's been a lot of that going around. And so it makes it a little tougher to evaluate where everyone's really at. And it's good in a way because it prevents us from overreacting to everything that's happening, right? So uh, that that part, I think, is actually s- sort of a low-key positive. That there's not like, hey, this team's 3-0. and They're clearly going to play in the finals, you know. Uh, there's just a lot, of, a lot of teams scuffling along with good days and bad days right now. Well, I'm glad that you hit on that because uh, as Seth Partnow, your colleague, pointed out yesterday, you are our resident expert on uh, 50 point blowouts so i i trust you to no, interpret correction. this information i am the expert on 60 point blowouts <laughs> oh, no actually no i take that back i do have expertise in 50 point blowouts too that's right we lost to uh we lost to golden state by 50 in the uh, first week of uh 16 was it 15 15 uh, yeah the 15 16 i was at that yeah. game actually and and hilariously when seth made that point i thought it was actually referring to that game and no it was actually that game at charlotte a couple of years later which actually i also had the good fortune of watching i generally try to avoid watching tanking teams too much after the trade deadline but i was like ah you know i haven't checked in on memphis and charlotte in a while i better like i should probably watch this game just to like make sure that like nothing crazy is happening with these teams that i'm missing out on and uh no actually uh as it turned out i'm so sorry (laughs) I think, what, did Kemba have, like, 50 points in the first three quarters or something in that game? I think he had 50, I think, was it 50 or, like, 50, did he have 58? He went absolutely bananas. Yeah, it might have, it might have been, like, a lot more than that, actually. Uh, but, uh, of course, that was a game that got Memphis, Jaron Jackson Jr., in, in part, so I uh, can't complain too much. <laughs> yeah, really. I mean, that that game and about 60 others. <laughs> Didn't you guys start like seven and five that year or something? We started three and oh. Wait, wait. Was that the year we started three and oh with wins over Golden State and Houston? We won a back to back against Golden State and Houston, who had the two best records in the league that year. And yeah, like well, neither, I, 
And and like neither game was close. Um, no, wait, the Houston game was close. We beat them later, and it wasn't that close. Um, and and then we went off the rails. Um, well, Mike Conley got hurt, right? Was it? You guys were like seven and five or something, and then Mike Conley. Mike Con- got Conley, hurt yeah, Conley going out was a was a huge part of it. Um, we also um, had very good fortune from the three-point gods that first week of the season, which shockingly did not carry over to the remaining five and a half months. Yeah. Well, uh, that might be a vehicle to start talking about the New York Knicks two and two start. Wow. That, so I watched that Cleveland game last night. I mean, it was, it was amazing. Like if you were a Cleveland fan, like when Reggie Bullock made the pull up from half court, uh, to, to go into halftime, that like, that was the point where as a Cleveland fan, you're like, okay, you gotta be kidding me. Like Cleveland got so many wide open threes and yeah, I mean, when it's a wide open three for Andre Drummond, a big deal, right? But they they had wide open threes for like guys who can actually shoot too, and and they just couldn't make anything. And meanwhile, just whatever the Knicks threw up from beyond the three point line was was going in, whether it was Julius Randle or Alfred Payton or whoever was taking them. Uh, and that's not to take away from some of the things New York legitimately did well. Like d- defensively, they're definitely in better shape than than we've seen them before. Uh, but there's there's some serious three point variance going on here for them too. Yeah, two straight games shooting over fifty percent from downtown. Those two games that they won. Um, so yeah, I, I mean the blowouts. Getting back to that, I just. It's not shocking to me at all. And Seth, uh, who's uh, man, he's getting name checked a lot here early, uh, looked at this, which uh, kind of showed what uh, anecdotally we're able to recognize is that they're just a crazy number of blowouts. Over 12% of all minutes have been with one team or another leading by 20 points, which is, you know, probably about 50% more than you would typically expect to yeah. see it at this point in the season. So, uh, I, I mean, can you, do you want to put your hat on and try to analyze why that's happening? I mean, I do think as we become more of a three-point league, you do introduce more variants. I just wonder if somehow the peculiarities of this season have also introduced additional variants with the short training camps and maybe teams trying different stuff on different nights, uh, maybe more proactive about rest early in the season. I mean, we saw, you know, obviously it wasn't the only reason the Clippers lost, but I mean, they didn't have Kawhi Leonard that night. Um, and so I just wonder if it's all combining to make, to make for more variants than we've had in the past. That's, that's, that's my best, that's my best shot at pulling something out of my ass to explain this. Yeah, I'll try it. One of my theories I'll run by you is just that this is going to kind of look like for the really good teams, you know, not the, not, not the teams that are realistically going to be fighting for a playoff berth but for the real championship contenders this is just going to look like it's the last two weeks of the season or the last month of the season when and a season in which you know they're not really that worried about home court which has seemed to have taken on less importance in teams minds over the years anyway and who knows whether Mm -hmm. there will even be any sort of a home court advantage that's another trend by the way that home court advantage has not been as uh severe as you would have expected even compared to this point in the season at, at earlier points that'll be something keep an eye on but yeah so i think you know a team like the lakers or the clippers or the nets i think that they're gonna be satisfied with just playing great games on occasion and you know just feeling like okay we have our fastball and then the rest of the time just like let's make it to the playoffs and we like it was already trending in that direction anyway but it's going to be even more there whereas i think that teams that are kind of not at the very bottom of the league but are kind of in the middle they're going to be perhaps pushing harder than ever due to the uh, and for longer due to the lure of the 10th seed and the play-in game and also you know teams with younger players 
players as well or who are trying to establish themselves who you know don't necessarily have big playoff expectations of playing into i guess june and july this year so i see the league being more compacted than ever between the top of the league and the middle of the league that's my early thought and that we're just again going to see many extremely inconsistent results due to i mean probably rest is the biggest reason but also just kind of eh not really caring that much yeah there's because especially if the the home court advantage if that is diminished and if players sense that is diminished that really reduces the incentive for the players in the top teams to go balls out during the regular season Another thing I'll be really interested to look at is the rubber band principle. That's uh, which for for those who don't know, basically NBA games kind of have this principle, which as you'd expect with human nature, where the team is down, that is down is generally going to play better than expected and the team that is up is going to play worse than expected and whether that's because the team that is up perhaps is experienced regression to the mean as the same as the team that is down is you know generally they'll have to have been some say shooting luck for a team to build a 20 point lead over another team uh or whether that's just because you kind of let off the accelerator a little bit naturally when you have a 20 point lead whereas when you're down 20 you're pushing really hard and maybe part of that is because you have fans in attendance and you're like hey this we're getting embarrassed here we got to try harder we can't have this happen whatever it is i'll be curious to see whether that principle holds in this season over a long season without fans i mean the bubble was different right like that's the very beginning all the teams there ostensibly were a good teams and b trying to get into the playoffs and trying to ramp up for the playoffs and so there's there at least in the games where they weren't tanking for seating there's a lot of thought there that you know we we got to get sharp we got to get ready right now so i'm uh i'm really curious to see whether that dynamic changes and just you know also to know eventually on home court i think if it's you don't see a home court then you'll know that it's the fans rather than the travel or the some of the other sleeping in your own bed going to your own practice facility whatever yeah i am interested to see what now we might have fans by the playoffs which will sort of ruin the experience but experiment excuse me but i i am interested to see how home court plays out this year yeah, because we, we don't really know why it is that home court is so important. Although, I mean, you would think that the aspect of the fans is probably it. Uh, you know, just exhorting teams. You know, there's there's some evidence, like Sloan years ago, there's some evidence that like in the last few minutes of close games, like there are certain things you expect more from the home team or not like. So, like offensive rebounding goes up that's kind of like an effort thing free throw yeah. shooting actually goes down slightly because of like the pressure of performing in front of your own fans whereas it doesn't mm-hmm. for the road team um yeah. which it was fascinating i mean that was years ago that that research came out so uh so give us a chance to at least learn a little bit more about home court advantage yeah um and in the bubble obviously there was no home court advantage at all but then you didn't have the travel aspects etc listeners i want to tell you about a new offering from sports business classroom an organization that i was involved in founding and now they are launching the cba mastery course courtesy of the cap father himself larry coon who created the first cba faq way back in 1999 nobody knows more about the cba than larry coon and now for the first time you can learn the same information that larry has been teaching teams agents and executives for over 20 years at your own pace which is awesome all the sexy stuff is in there uniform player contracts exceptions trades extensions waivers the gilbert arenas provision all of it's available via on-demand video 
You can get interactive exercises you can do at your own pace. There's an exclusive members-only CBA mastery forum, definitions of all the key CBA terms, a certificate of completion if you complete the course. You can also be included in exclusive emails promoting jobs in the, in the industry. You get a discount on Sports Business Classroom 2021 Business of Basketball Immersive Experience in Las Vegas, subject to admission, of course. And placed on the exclusive Vegas Summer League talent profile website, accessed exclusively by sports business executives looking for job candidates. If you sign up, you can receive 10% off the price of the CBA Mastery course using the discount code CAPSPACE if you're paying in full or CAPSPACE PP if you're playing with a payment plan. Once again, that's the discount code CAPSPACE or CAPSPACE PP for CBA Mastery at cbamastery.com. Um, how about rookies? You want to talk, talk rookies here and which ones have impressed you or ones that you are kind of worried about relative to their draft slot? You know, it's interesting because I feel like I've seen, whereas last year it was more extreme where it was like, wow, like out of the gate, it was like, okay, John Morant looks really good. And a lot of these other guys really don't. And I think this year it's been much more neutral where a lot of these guys have shown that they're okay, but nobody's really stood out, right? Like, I guess you would say Tyrese Halliburton has been the best rookie so far, but it's it's not like he's running away with the rookie of the year or anything, right? Like, okay, he's averaging 10 and 5. Like, hey, he's off to a nice start. Um, yeah. Generally, if you're going to be rookie of the year, you should probably be a starter. Yeah. Right? Like, like Which is... It, Tough the, to imagine uh, that a, a non-starter is going to win it. Yeah. The first and third picks in the draft are not starting. The second pick is starting but not finishing. Um, and that's even with Draymond Green injured, right? Um, and then, you know, it kind of goes from there, right? There's, there's sort of other players who are getting what I would call token starts based on their draft position, but I'm not sure you really call them starters at this point, right? I mean, we'll we'll see with Patrick Williams and Isaac Okoro and Killian Hayes, but right right now, they like if they were the 20th pick in the draft, not one of them would be starting. Is is that fair to say? I think so. Williams actually, you know, I I think he's there's some thought that it, it could be him. I mean, he had some foibles yesterday against Washington, but you know, he's averaging like he hasn't looked overmatched as right. a starter. Um, but if he but if he had been the twentieth pick, Otto Porter would be starting, right? One would think so. But I mean Porter is in the last year of his contract. He's not necessarily in their plans going forward. So That's true. Um so I mean if you just had to say who's been the best rookie, which rookie has contributed all right, let's make it a little more forward-facing. We've got three, four games under our belts here. If you had to pick which rookie is going to contribute the most to winning basketball games this year, who do you think it would be based on what we've seen so far? It might be Halliburton. I, I think I might be in agreement there. I mean, he just like he just like he knows how to play. He fits there. He can play both guard spots. Uh, it might only be a twenty-five minute role, but he's he's a good player in that role. Whereas like Anthony Edwards is going to be a points per game guy, but I'm not sure if he's going to impact winning at all. Uh, it's going to be sort of the same deal with Wiseman, I think. Like you can see the potential, but you just like we, you know we'll we'll see what happens here. But uh, th- so there's thirty-nine percent. 
39% from the field is a little troubling to me. I yeah. mean, this and the, the, the three point shooting is nice. And like the one highlighted game where he dribbles the length of the court is nice. But, you know, I, I mean, you were hitting on this last week that, you know, his hands, his finishing acumen is not amazing. Now he doesn't have anyone to set him up on like alley oops or anything either. But, you know, if there's thought like comparing him to DeAndre Ayton, which I think I'm going to end up doing a lot, uh, you know, DeAndre Ayton was putting up like points and rebounds even as a rookie he just was terrible on defense and and yeah Wiseman he doesn't it really seem to have like the greatest field just for scoring you know the the way that Aiton did on pick and roll and offensive rebounds and that kind of stuff yeah like Aiton I'm trying to remember his first year we played Phoenix fairly early in that year and he had he had a good offensive stat line against Mark and that that was like oh okay like you're <laughs> you're you're pretty legit if you're doing that um I want to say he shot like 10 of 15 or something and had like 20 25 points and it was like okay <laughs> and we just haven't seen a night like that for really from any of these rookies yet um i mean is there anyone who has just been better than you expected maybe cole anthony although he hasn't really shot that well but he's kind of he's looked like he fits right now as a backup uh one which is I mean, notable for the 15th pick. Um, the the other guy who's really helping his team achieve its goals is uh, Pokusevsky in Oklahoma City. <laughs> hey, he scored his first NBA bucket last <laughs> night. <laughs> One of 16 uh, from the field so far this season. Well, it makes up for it on defense. (laughs) I I mean, that said, like you do see, you do see the flashes from him. You you understand why he got picked. And it's why I had him like I had him rated as a lottery pick. I thought he was a pretty good gamble when she got to that point. Um, And uh, but he's going to take some time, clearly. Oh, I, I mean, I got one for you. Peyton Pritchard. Yeah, I haven't seen a lot of Boston yet, uh, so I kind of... He's good um, last night. He, yeah. he closed the game and he deserved it uh, mm-hmm. against... Uh, yeah, I mean, he's, he's shooting it while he's showing more juice off the dribble to get to the rim also i mean he's not a great passer but you know for given his physical tools he competes defensively he's quicker i think than people expect you know de rigueur for a, a white point guard obviously they have to say that but i mean the, the people who were sort of like comparing him to tj mcconnell just because they both had a crew cut for a while like the the that was wrong he's a yeah. much no, better mean, offensive the th- player the thing like he that. really showed is his senior year in oregon is he really improved his uh his shooting and in particular shooting range like taking deep threes off the dribble and as long as that part stays he's going to be a good enough offensive player to play yeah i mean he may end up taking jeff teague's minutes when uh kemba walker comes yeah, back that's and that is a not shocking uh revelation to those who saw teague in atlanta last year yeah well i mean teague had <laughs> that ridiculous game against the bucks and i'm not sure if he's hit a three-pointer since then mm-hmm. um yeah, Precious Sachua, I think, you know, has had some moments. Like, he looked good yeah. in the New Orleans game. Um, I, I mean, if you had to guess who Rookie of the Year is right now, well, so, I mean, our Rookie of the Year, it sounds like we probably think it would be Halliburton as of now. Right. But uh, the, like, the, the, yeah. the actual Rookie of the Year is a points-per-game trophy, which means Anthony Edwards has the inside track. Well, and the other thing, too, is I expect that, now the wolves have this draft pick thing with golden state but uh where it's only top three protected but i mean i think seeing edwards get up 21 shot attempts in that blowout loss uh against the lakers without carl anthony towns that might augur what we're gonna see later in the season when they're out of it because i mean i think that's to me that's the other biggest storyline of the first week of the season is like memphis and minnesota might just be done well it's interesting now in memphis yeah you got john moran out for three and a half weeks and the, the problem is you have 
have Ja Morant and Jaron Jackson Jr. out at the same time. Um, so, the, I mean, they managed to get that win uh, in Brooklyn. Uh, you know, Kyle Anderson's going to have to step up and play like a major role. Like he's either he's either the starting or the backup point guard, basically, uh, with with Tyus Jones. And because they they don't really have a, a they don't have a third point guard on the roster. Melton was injured last game, but even when he plays, like he's not a He's not a one. Uh, so I think they'll still run stuff through Anderson with the second unit. And then you're just getting to such a critical situation as far as the lack of shooting up and down the roster. So it's a, uh, it's a, it's a tough time right now with three of your top five, uh, coming into the season with Winslow out too, uh, in, in Memphis. And while their bench has been a strength, asking those guys to now carry the team is a completely different proposition. Yeah. Although I will say for the long term future of the franchise, might be a good thing we'll see I, i'm very interested to see you know it seems like that current regime has been is relatively realistic mm-hmm. about where they are and obviously john morant is a huge competitor but yeah. you know we'll see whether he's back on like the 30 minute a game plan when he returns because i mean his usage rate was sky high those first couple of games you know, he was playing a lot of minutes with and they were getting killed whenever he was off the floor as well yeah yeah, because they had him on a minutes limit at the start of last year, remember, because he came back from the meniscus. Right. Uh, so I would expect the same thing to happen. It's a three to five week injury. I would expect them to play it closer to the five than the three. So, I mean, they've they've been careful about that. I mean, there is that little carrot out there with the, you know, finishing the top 10 and getting the getting the play in. But I think from their perspective, they'd probably rather kind of make make sure they take care of the future and then see if they can make a run in the second half of the season when John and Jaron are back. I, I agree with you. And I think that Jaron should absolutely be on a minute's limit too, you would think, coming back from uh, that meniscus repair. And yeah, I mean, if they can get one more piece, all these great wings that are supposed to be in this 2021 draft, they can get like a shot creator on the wing. So uh, Dylan Brooks doesn't have to go eight out of 23 with one free throw attempt every game. Uh, That would be really nice for their future because if if they get one more piece – and they can stay healthy like that could be a pretty nasty team as of right now you know i'm not sure that jaron and Ja really gets you into like you know real contention without more to add to that group i think especially like the shooting piece like one more shooter with some size because like they have like five different shooting guards who are all pretty good but none of them is really like that knockdown guy that scares the crap out of you yeah. and i think one more guy like that also really allows him to weaponize Valanchunas, who, like, he's a weapon inside, but man, there's just no space for him at all. Yeah, no, I mean, and, and he needs to he needs to get some more triple-doubles, too, like he did in, in, in the bubble. <laughs> in the bubble, exactly. The process of picking out glasses that look good on you was already difficult when you weren't trying to do it in a pandemic. You go to the store, there's so many of these glasses, they're in that display case, you have to ask the salesperson to hand you one, you start feeling guilty about how much time you're taking, there's a bunch of other people waiting there to get served, you feel rushed, and all of a sudden you've picked out a pair of glasses for a ton of money that you just don't really like that much. now imagine having to go through that process in these times not good so try out coastal they have the most advanced virtual try on technology you'll find anywhere it is remarkable it uses your own camera to digitally project each pair of their glasses you can browse and virtually try on hundreds of frames without having to leave your couch and it just looks incredibly realistic as well this is awesome technology that they have plus their prescription glasses start 
start at just $9 with free shipping and 30-day risk-free return. As well, in case you're not feeling it after a few days, you can return it. They have over 2,000 frames to choose from, 24-hour customer support, which Newsweek called America's best customer service. And when you buy a pair from Coastal, you can donate a pair to someone in need with just one click at no extra cost. To date, Coastal has given more than 470,000 pairs of glasses to people in need across the world. Starts at $9. No need to leave the sofa. This is the new way to shop for glasses at Coastal.com. Use your FSA benefits now before they run out. Now and for a limited time, they're offering our listeners the best deal they have going anywhere. 50% off your first pair of glasses at Coastal.com slash PER. Easy to remember slash PER because John invented it. Get free shipping, 30-day risk-free returns, and 50% off at Coastal.com slash PER. Only for a limited time. Spelled Coastal, C-O-A-S-T-A-L, Coastal.com slash PER. Some restrictions apply. Let me ask you this question, dear listener. How do you feel when you wake up? Do you feel tired? Were you tossing and turning? Were you hot? Is your back a little bit sore? Maybe that's because your mattress does not match your body type and your sleep preferences. Helix Sleep can solve that problem for you. They have this sleep quiz that takes just two minutes to complete and lets you get a mattress that is made for you. I first became acquainted with Helix back in 2015. My wife and I tried out another mattress delivery company. It was one size fits all. and It was terrible. We kept waking up with back pain. So she was like, this is a, a terrible idea. Let's try and find one that has more customization. And we found Helix, liked them so much that I actually DM'd their company Twitter account and asked if I could endorse them on the podcast. And we've been working together now for almost six years. Helix has soft, medium, and firm mattresses. Mattress great for cooling you down if you sleep hot. Even their Helix Plus mattress for plus size folks. If you do get it, check it out and give us an unboxing video on social media. We all love to see that. So many of my listeners I, I've heard from who say that Helix Sleep is awesome. No wonder they were awarded the number one best overall mattress pick of 2020 by GQ and Wired Magazine. Get started with them. Go to helixsleep.com slash PR. Take that two-minute sleep quiz. They have a 10-year warranty and you get to try it out for 100 nights risk-free. They'll even pick it up for you if you don't love it, but you're going to because it's made for you. Right now, they are offering up to $200 off all mattress orders and two free pillows for our listeners at helixsleep.com slash PR. Easy to remember slash PR because John invented it. That's helixsleep.com slash PR for up to $200 off and two free pillows. Don't forget that slash PR to let them know that you came from us. So anything else that stuck out to you about this first week or so of the season? Uh, I'm I'm not sure there's any one team that I can point to and say like, wow, they are really they they are really way above or way below my expectation for what they were for what they were going to be. Like I, I feel like Cleveland looks good. Like they might I had them going I think 21 and 51 or something. I think they might be more like they might be able to get in the playing game maybe. Um, but other. Other than that, I'm not sure anyone is like so different from what I expected that I could say after three games, like, wow, this is something we really need to watch. What about the Washington Wizards or the Orlando Magic? You know, it's funny. I saw Washington's first game against Philadelphia, and I thought they played well and actually maybe should have won. And it was at Philly. So I felt like, okay, these guys look pretty decent. And then just they get a two-game homestand against Orlando and lose both of them. Um, And I I still think they're figuring out what they are and and what they have. And they certainly aren't aren't a good team. But 
I'm also not sure they're like I'm I'm not sure they're them being 0 and 4 is really that dramatically different from what I from what I thought they'd be. I don't know. Maybe I'm am I am I missing anything on that? Well, they lost it, by 6, 10, 7 and 8. Like it's not like they're getting the crap beat out. Losing at home to the Bulls is definitely a red flag game. I didn't I didn't see that game. Uh so maybe maybe that one would have would have shifted my perspective a little bit. Uh just be glad that you didn't. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I I I watched that game last night and uh if if anyone would like a full recap, uh, please subscribe to dunked on prime uh, immediately <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. uh the, the descriptions got rather col- colorful but yeah i, I mean i think to uh, and, and we're gonna see again with this crazy season and these home and homes and guys missing games although the wizards have been pretty much healthy uh, uh other than Rui, who doesn't really help them win anyway uh, yeah yeah that yeah that's what yeah him being out should have <laughs> should have helped them <laughs> right <laughs> so yeah, that's uh, that's really a, a little bit of a concern. But we're just going to see teams go on like random zero and four streaks, or it, I mean, teams are going to have like really easy stretches where they're playing team bad teams two games in a row, that kind of thing. So uh, I'm uh, I'm not going to foreclose anything on the Wizards. Also, playing Ish Smith and Russell Westbrook together, they could probably junk that one. That, that would yeah, be nice. really. Yeah, there's no there's there's so much more Ish Smith going on than than we had any reason to expect, and it's. And it's it's a little weird. Um, I Troy Brown has struggled, unfortunately, because I, I think he's the guy who sh- who ought ought to be playing more, but is not. I'd like to see them play Isaac Bonga more. I think he's a good player that they kind of forget about once they get into their rotation because he's he's extreme low usage. But all the data says they play better when he plays. Yeah. Um, and uh, for, from the Virginia perspective, free Anthony Gill. Hey, he played three minutes last night at the end, right. of the end of the first half. Uh, yeah, you know, Raptors being 0-3, I'm not that worried about them yet, uh, but their bench is a little concerning. Uh, well, Norm Nor- Powell Norman Powell bad. can't get out of his own way right now. Like, I assume that's going to be, that he's going to go back to being himself at some point. But Yeah, I mean, he needs to lose about 15 pounds, I think. He really looked heavy in the preseason. That was one thing that I noted uh, that he d- did not look that athletic. Um, Nuggets one and three. Um, you know the Heat. Uh, they won that game against New Orleans, and then they've had two pretty ugly losses. But Butler basically hasn't played. So um, I, I mean, I think the Hawks and Suns were kind of two new teams coming together. They have to feel pretty decent about where yeah, they are, particularly the definitely. Hawks with all the injuries they've had. Yes. Yeah, because Atlanta's yeah Atlanta has kind of survived a couple games where they didn't have their whole crew. We still haven't seen Onyeka Okongwu play. Gallinari hasn't played much. Chris Dunn is, looks like he's going to be out for a little while longer. Uh, and I mean, they basically beat Memphis with last year's team. And Kevin Herter and DeAndre Hunter both had really strong games, and that was a big factor in them winning it. Uh, all right, let's do a little mailbag here. So sure. this will be fun. We've got, I mean, I think we got like well over 100 questions last year so or last year uh not actually yet. if i not yet yeah, that's right next <laughs> week if, if next you're listening to this episode. two days from now though that applies <laughs> uh okay so got the sheet in front of me here um okay how about this let's start with this uh more general one from uh sami zahur what are your top ideas to fix the issue that nba contracts for star players 30 and over pay for past performance and are inevitable albatrosses hmm 
I mean, I guess, is that a problem? Number one is, is, is do you agree is with that a problem? I think the Supermax could make it a problem and make it make it a little bit of a time bomb. I mean, we're seeing it with uh, with the John Wall contract. Uh, we're seeing it with Blake's contract a little bit, although that wasn't technically a Supermax. Um, and, and that was more injury related too. Uh, we'll see what happens with Lillard's deal. You know, it's funny though. I mean, like, is Chris Paul's contract even now? Is it that bad? I mean, it's definitely, it's a little underwater, but I, I, the biggest distortion isn't with, isn't at the very, very top end. It's below that, right? It's when, it's, it's when you go out four years to pay. Well, I guess we use Gordon Hayward as the example. Um, and pay pay somebody like that because the the distortion in the cap system is that because the best players are capped at what they can make the guys who are not above them take a big chunk of that of that money instead and so you end up you know going out 4 years and 65 million or whatever on like Marcus Morris yeah there's the cap on the rookie scale which everyone knows about so those players are artificially depressed although i would make the point that if you just look at all rookie scale contract given the number of players who end up just washing out and the fact that they boosted that that rookie scale contracts as a whole don't necessarily provide that much surplus value but if you get the right one obviously they provide a ton of surplus value and then even when you're maxing guys out now they did relax those rules rule criteria a little bit but for guys in the 25 to 30 percent max the absolute best guys you're lowering their max as well so one of my thoughts which i said on previous episodes is boost that 30 35% max and anyone can get that once they come off their rookie scale deal um and you could even make rookie scale deals only be three years I'm sure that would be immediate revolt particularly given now that high schoolers are probably going to be back in the draft yeah um yeah I huh. yeah I I that that's going to be a tough one for for teams to give up on I I, I mean especially coming at it from a from a small market perspective I mean I you you want as many potential years of team control as possible, basically, uh, if you're not in one of the glamour markets. And the non-glamour markets have them outnumbered. So I think we're gonna we're gonna see that remain the case. Yes, and I'm not I'm not sure that's to the NBA's benefit overall. Oh, oh, I, here we go. Um, do you have any thoughts on expansion? That was like a, a big big topic. Adam Silver didn't rule it out, which means it's probably gonna happen relatively soon. Uh, anything that that like do you like which cities it should be or do you are you in favor of it i am i am in favor of it i think the league clearly is at a, at a point talent wise where it can it can add two more teams uh seattle obviously has to be one of them clearly uh and then the question is what do you add as the second one uh i mean i would still argue for vancouver as the second Me too. one um i think it's a you know it's a big growing city with money and uh i think it would have supported the nba had the currency issue not been so massively working against them at that time uh when they moved to memphis yeah and the uh the wins and losses not so massively working against them. well i mean that that was an issue but i mean i i mean i actually uh when i was still working at espn i mean i talked to michael heisley about this he basically said it was the currency that forced him to move otherwise he would have kept the team there huh interesting uh i i had not considered that ink but yeah i'm uh i'm not in favor of expansion um i would be in 
in favor of some realignment to get some bigger markets in there and make some more money. Mm-hmm. But uh, I think because the NBA, yeah, you know what? Like guys numbers uh, 450 to 480 aren't that much worse than guys 400 to 450. But that's not what makes a team watchable. What makes a team watchable is the best players. And just if you look at the five worst teams in the league right now and you look at their best player and you're like, is this a guy that you want to watch? I would say no. Uh, that, so, I mean, I'm not like adamantly against it, but I would be like, hey, this is great. Like the quality of play is relatively good, although I don't think it's going to be this season. And but if you just saw like how awesome the bubble was when we won- mm-hmm. only went down to 22 teams, it's yeah. like, let's just keep let's keep adding uh, adding great players and just boosting the quality of play even more. I think the fact that there hasn't been expansion for a long time is part of why, to me, the quality of play up through last year was as good as it's ever been, uh, maybe since the 80s before they went to the expansion there when they had back when they had 23 teams. So. Hmm. Uh, although there are some terrible teams then too. I, I think it was actually better than it's ever been. But that's, I mean, I think selfishly for me, as someone who watches the entire league, I don't, expansion doesn't do me any good. But obviously for people in those markets, it does. Can we talk about the biggest deal about expansion? Uh, I don't know. You tell me. Finally moving Memphis to the east? <laughs> Yeah, well, I mean, this is, it's going to be between Memphis, Minnesota, and New Orleans. Memphis, Minnesota, and New Orleans are going to be fighting hard well, for so, this. Like, yes. I think, I think, isn't Minneapolis on, like, the west side of the Mississippi River and Memphis and New Orleans are on the east side of the Mississippi River. So Memphis is on the is on the east side. New Orleans is on both the east and west side because it curls around. It's on like the main part of the season side. I mean really more the north side if you're looking at it there. But you know yeah the eastern conference side of the Mississippi. Um, Now geographically I think it would actually make more sense to have Minnesota be one of them because they kind of have more in common with like Chicago and Milwaukee geographically whereas Memphis kind of has more like New Orleans definitely has more in common with the other Southwest Division teams like they're pretty close to Houston I guess if you had to pick two it would be Memphis and Minnesota for me just from a geographic standpoint well you only have to move one right you have 15 Eastern Conference teams you add one from the West to make 16 oh yeah I guess I was thinking both new teams would be in the West but no both new teams would be in the West so that takes you to 17 and that that gets you 17 west 15 east so you have to move one from west to east truly you have a dizzying intellect and it's and, and, I, I really don't it's not that hard a problem <laughs> yes yes perhaps you have an average intellect <laughs> that's now now we get the real story yeah mine is not a dizzying intellect i'm just dizzy <laughs> um yeah so yeah i think it would be minnesota would probably be my pick uh because you know the kind of south southwest like there's a little bit more geographical commonality there minnesota being in the west i mean how far away are they from the closest western conference team yeah like a it's thousand a, it's, miles yeah it's a little bit of a haul right now yeah because i think their closest one is either denver or oak city um so they are closer to you know the chicago's and detroit's of the world although for a lot of the teams in the eastern conference because uh, you go back and they, they all have to go back and forth um, for for them and for their travel, going to Memphis is is much easier for most of them. Well, but here's the here's the difference. So to me, is that uh, it's just for teams in the West, like because that's what it really is. Is like teams in the Western Conference having to go to Minnesota, and so that's really where they're getting totally screwed. I mean, any road trip, including Minnesota, yeah. is just a disaster. If you add Seattle and Vancouver, then your new Northwest division is Seattle, Vancouver, Portland, Utah, uh, and Denver, right? And then you move. Oak City into the, the 
Southwest, maybe. Yeah, I mean, mm-hmm. you could Southwest. You could Although you do need one sixteen division, I guess, or you need to do them in groups of four, and you just nicked and <laughs> it all goes completely different. Then, yeah. Well, when you think about the travel, I mean, it, that that explains why Minnesota has been such a dominant team these last few years. Because you know, you just <laughs> you come in there, you're exhausted, you just lose every time. <laughs> If you are ready for some football, college football is heading into bowl season and there are some big matchups coming up in the next week. The NFL regular season is finishing up with the playoff picture becoming clear and there is only one place that has you covered, betonline.ag. Sign up today for a free account at betonline.ag and use the promo code LOCKEDON for a 50% welcome bonus. Get in on the action and don't forget to use that promo code LOCKEDON, the name of this network, to receive that 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. That is an awesome deal. That's Bet Online, your online sports book experts. And check them out on social media as well at BetOnline underscore AG. Here at the Lockdown Network, rockauto.com is one of our favorite family businesses. They serve auto parts customers online, but they do it with that family touch. The chain store for auto parts, that model doesn't work anymore. They have different price tiers for professional mechanics and do-it-yourselfers. You go in, there aren't any parts out in the front you go up to that desk the guy goes into the computer system they don't have your part they say they can order it you have to go back to the store again to get it why not just go to rockauto.com enter your make and model and shop for auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers they've got everything from engine control modules and brake parts to tail lamps motor oil even new carpet so go to rockauto.com right now see all the parts available for your car or truck make sure you write locked on in there how did you hear about us box so they know that we sent you amazing selection reliably low prices all the parts your car will ever need rockauto.com uh okay yeah. we've uh, we've gotten sidetracked here let's just yes more okay you pick one uh let me have a look here real mr 314 asks with the class of 2021 free agents being decimated what do you feel would be the best pass for the mavericks to get better this season or coming off season and grab that third star oh man yeah that is really tough and same thing with toronto as well you know miami i think might have a, a few more options i think they got to just see how this season plays out at this point if josh richardson looks like a tentpole piece then they can try to re-sign him but that might take up a, a fair amount of what they have to do I and mean, what do you see as their biggest need that's kind of the question yeah i think if they could get somebody in richardson's role who was better at it than richardson i guess yeah. is the, i mean is that the biggest need other than maybe a secondary ball handler so they could have a little more unpredictability in in late moments and it's not just luca 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 pound 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 um which which i still think hurts them uh late and close games i mean those those are the two main things right they have pretty good bigs uh they have shooting they have depth like they got a lot of nice pieces there so victor oladipo has actually looked okay so far yeah definitely it's funny because i'm I'm doing a piece on the athletic uh that's going to be out by the time people hear this i think uh on the best free agents uh for 2021 and i ended up moving him way up the list uh based on how he's looked yeah so you know and they're Obviously, they're going to have competition with Miami and Toronto as well. Spencer Dinwiddie is an interesting one at 28. 
coming off the ACL, they might have, Dinwiddie might have some appeal for them because if he's like not quite ready to start the season, which considering this happened in December, he may not be. Most teams are going to be like, well, hey, we, we got to have who would be in the point guard market for him as a primary ball handler. Be like, oh, we got to have this guy to start the season. Whereas the Mavs might just be like, hey, you know, we're fine with Luca. We don't need you to start the season as long as you're ready to go by the playoffs and he's only 28 yeah. um you know obviously that'll depend on, on his health and but they have a lot of confidence in their medical staff there so I, I think that could be a really interesting one for them and he defends pretty well too i mean you can't you can't get anybody else on this team who doesn't defend like on the the wing they gotta have someone who's yeah. good there luke actually has held up better than i expected defensively but he's never gonna be your stopper and so you need like real quality around him and around porzingis particularly because with porzingis you're always gonna have to play a conventional pick and roll scheme so you better have some guys on the perimeter who can pressure and get over a screen yeah they um and you're also you know kind of crossing your fingers all year with Przingis too that he's going to make it through sure. the campaign uh, they, they and they have ways like Dinwiddie's number probably isn't so high that it precludes keeping Richardson or Hardaway what one of the two yeah I mean he's a good buy low it's risky obviously because this will be his second torn ACL of his career um but you know if you could get him for you know four or five million a year less than you would have been able to before this injury maybe you're cooking there a little bit yeah yeah that's that's an interesting name for them but but and i guess the other one in more in the short term would be kyle lowry yes absolutely although it it's, does inter- kind of seem it's like interesting it's interesting just- though like if you're building around luca and Przingis, like do you really want to take that like one to two years of kyle lowry and because then what you know when he ages out yeah. what do you have then? it's your only chance because luca's max extension will kick in in 2022 and you're done at that exactly. point and he has a huge cap hold so so you basically whoever you get in 2021 that's your guy that's your third guy it has to be yeah because i mean luca's not hitting free agency right they're going to give him the third the rose rule extension he'll qualify for it he'll get 30 percent of the 2022 cap which will be like you know 36 million a year or whatever and at that point yeah you're not a room team ever again so i mean they basically like if they really want to have like a long-term championship contender to me either they gotta develop some guy out of nowhere or you know dinwiddie or oladipo has to be that third guy just don't see anyone else who really fits in there uh what, as, what, let me give you a name okay lonzo ball just don't think he's good enough really he's just, he's just wow he's just a guy wow okay like, okay. What, what does he do that's so great? Can't run pick and roll. His shooting is well, I think will be average, but it's never going to be elite. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, defensively, he's like I don't think he's that great of a one-on-one defender. He makes plays in the team concept. He'll rebound. You know, he does some things, but like, does he help them more than even like someone like Josh Richardson? I, I don't think he does. Wow. Wow. Okay. It, it, well, feel free to push back at me. I just I like, think he's a pretty good third best player now, and he's still pretty young. Um, you know, the the shooting is making some some progress uh to to the point where i think he could be a plus as a shooter pretty soon and uh, i mean he just he rebounds at a high rate he makes he gets you in transition he makes like he just makes winning plays all over you're gonna have to define transition for rick carlisle though <laughs> well they'll, they'll they'll have to get used to running a little more i guess <laughs> but no i i mean it just i don't see, think he changes your destiny of the French. and then also the restricted aspect i mean to feel really good about him you probably would need to get the sign and trade with new orleans and maybe give 
about the first. Yeah, because, I mean, the, the yeah. deal with when you deal with the restricted, yeah, it's definitely a different situation. I was surprised Norris didn't extend him. Uh, yeah, I mean, it seems like they tried. Uh, w- what would your offer have been to, to Alonzo Ball? I mean, I would have given him more than Derek White. Uh, I, you know, I would have gone into the low twenties. Oh, I, I like Derek White way better than Alonzo Ball. Really? Wow. Okay. All right. Yeah, I think he's a better shooter. I think he's a better defender. I think he's a better pick and roll player. Wow. Okay. Okay. If if with, they were the of, same age, I might be able to go along with that a little more. Yeah, I just like Lonzo's game to me. He's kind of like the Ben Simmons of the guard position, but he's like guard side. And so like <laughs> he just has too many of these weird idiosyncrasies to his game. And I, I, I'm, you know, not being able to finish at the rim, not being able to be a conventional pick and roll ball handler, never getting to the foul line. It's just you can only go so far with that guy. Mm-hmm. Um, OK, let's do another one here. I'll pick one. Sixers, Matisse Thibel MVP odds. And uh, they would appear to be rather low. At the moment, <laughs> he's, I mean, he's not even in the rotation. I'm surprised he's not playing at all. Yeah. And, and I mean, our, our, the Sixers beat guys say he's been terrible in the time that he's been out there. I haven't seen many of his minutes because, you know, he hasn't been out there very much. Yeah. But, yeah. Uh, you know, I think Doc Rivers just feels like they need more ball handling and scoring. And perhaps it's just that given his limited skills off the dribble, that he's just he's just a poor fit with Ben Simmons. Maybe that's what it boils down to for this team. Yeah. You know, the other thing I, I never trusted his shooting last year. I mean, just having seen no. him shoot at Washington, having been on the floor before games, watching him shoot, I just always, I just always felt like that that percentage wasn't reality. And we'll see how this bears out. But I, I, I wonder if Doc is thinking the same thing. I guess is is uh, my question. Yeah, maybe he's just shooting it, shot it really poorly in camp. Uh, you know, I thought his jumper looked better in the summer league last year and then starting the season. But you know, he certainly is not a natural in that regard. He, he struggles to dribble, and his his defense is spectacular in a lot of ways but maybe not as good on just sort of a nuts and bolts you know possession to possession basis yeah okay, probably better right. in a kind of a high risk gambling scheme yeah he'd be awesome in like toronto oh my goodness yeah <laughs> um all right let's do a warriors question here okay given the price of the current warriors team this is mm-hmm. from uh, daniel ravid i think but sorry if i didn't pronounce it correctly daniel how long do you think ownership would give it before they pulled the ripcord if things were going poorly and you know this is going to be one of the most expensive teams of all time maybe the most expensive it, it becomes a question i guess they have the carrot of clay coming back so they just want to still give it a go with him and uh steph and draymond yeah what what does pulling the ripcord look like I mean, other than not re-signing Ubre, and then hey, we're we're only thirty million in the tax now. Um, well, actually, if there's a high draft pick or two next year, they could go right back up to forty million or more. Um, I mean, this is going to be an expensive team, and there's, I mean, the guys they would trade to get them out of this. Clay, I don't think there's a market for his contract right now. Wiggins, I don't think there's a market for that contract. So you're looking at trading Steph or Draymond, basically. So I think it's really, they could have a mediocre year this year, but if Steph Curry still looks like he's that guy, I think they'll continue on. Mm-hmm. And obviously, you know, I think we would need to be back to normal and have full fan stuff too. I mean, I, I think at a minimum, 
they feel, would feel like they need to have excitement going into next year that there's still a possibility of being good and all three of those guys just for the market and like getting fans back in the building and back in the habit of going to games and spending a shitload of money mm-hmm. at that new arena so I, I i think they they might end up throwing good money after bad in that scenario just because they want to and, and maybe they feel that they owe it to that triumvirate uh you know and if draymond looks like he's okay as well like if those two guys still look like they're pretty good they can talk themselves into wiseman being another guy they get another draft pick or they can yeah. maybe make a trade and you haven't seen clay yet and there's hope that he could come back and still be good even though i obviously after two massive injuries it's pretty difficult to actually believe that that's gonna be the case but you know if you see like kd comes back he has a good year off the achilles mm-hmm. you kind of you know bit begin to believe with clay again so i don't think that they will i mean you could see them not resign Ubre. certainly you know there could be a trade of kavan looney particularly if they want to kind of just tank a, a little bit this year you, you'll see some stuff along the margins i would be surprised to see just a massive dump uh but hey you know okay okc has a as a some pretty big trade exceptions maybe they could trade Ubre back to okay they trade Ubre, but not into his own exception right because that one's been carved up he has to go into another one <laughs> yeah yeah that would be that would be yeah, pretty funny I'm if, not, if I'm that's not sure you can do that actually but uh so uh it depends actually it depends when the trade happened yeah uh, it has to go into, the, like, the, the reacquiring season. the reacquiring deadline had yeah. had to have uh passed the average protein bar is quite terrible. It tastes like one of those layers of sedimentary rock at the top of the Grand Canyon. Built Bar has solved that problem, though. They are now up to 18 amazing flavors, six new ones. Cherry Bar, Sia, Cookies and Cream, Caramel Brani, Lemon Almond Cheesecake. That goes with the 12 original flavors like Raspberry, German Chocolate, Peanut Butter, Peanut Butter Brani, Double Chocolate, Mint Brani. They taste so good because they're covered in 100% chocolate and they're soft and easy to chew, but they are still great for the health-conscious guy you can lose or maintain weight while indulging in a delicious treat bars are low calorie low sugar high protein high fiber great for a keto diet for example their peanut butter bar 19 grams of protein 180 calories 5 grams of sugar just 5 grams of net carbs and you can get a free cooler with purchase while supplies last go to builtbar.com and use the promo code lockdown the name of this network you get 20 off your next order that's promo code lockdown for 20 off at builtbar.com David Harrison here, the Locked on Washington football team podcast, celebrating with you a 21-grain salute to a less boring sandwich thanks to Dave's Killer Bread. I don't know about you guys, but when I eat pizza, I eat it for the toppings, not the crust. And when I eat a sandwich, it's for what's inside the bread, not for the bread. But when I throw a sandwich on 21 whole grains and seeds, thin sliced bread from Dave's Killer Bread, it is the epitome of addition by subtraction. That thin sliced bread lets me focus on what's inside the sandwich, but also adds to the sandwich with killer taste, killer texture, killer nutrition, a subtle sweetness, and a seed-coated crust. Dave's Killer Bread is America's number one organic bread for a reason it tastes so stinking good dave's killer bread is made with the highest quality organic and non-gmo ingredients and is power packed with whole grains fiber and protein visit daveskillerbread.com to learn more and look for dave's killer bread in the bread aisle of your local grocery store uh okay good one here for the thunder uh from uh hoops ninja where will george hill land and how much of a difference could he make for a contender look pretty good in uh their win over charlotte yes uh, you know george hill's history is that when he's not on a contending team he's not that excited about it um he's he's looked a little more motivated in okc than he did in cleveland or sacramento uh 
I think any contending team has to have his name circled, though, as a guy who can really help them as a third guard, who can shoot, who can defend a little, who knows how to play, can fit in pretty seamlessly, doesn't make a ton of money. I mean, he's nine and a half this year, non-guaranteed next year. So you have some flexibility there. Uh, a partial guarantee, excuse me, uh, but but a light one. Overall, yeah, I think he's definitely a target. I wonder what Oak City's asking price will be if they're going to seek a late first for him or if they'll be content to take two seconds yeah i wonder if the clippers have the ammo to to get it done i think he would be a really nice fit there but they have they've got a lot of guys already at that position but coming off the bench neither of them can defend and he's a made himself into a nice spot-up shooter as well Uh, would you trade lou williams for george hill oh absolutely particularly because they already have canard as well Mm -hmm. i mean i think that's you know that's the deal that lines up salaries for them and probably make it a three-team deal and send Lou somewhere else and then send you know whatever flotsam ends up in oak city yeah i mean they, they would have some hard cap issues there hill makes a little bit more than lou but uh i mean the question I'm, just I'm, becomes, I'm sure they could put cabengale in the deal i'm sure they wouldn't fight you on that yeah uh well but then the question becomes they would need to outbid other teams and they may not have scratch to do that in terms of assets you know where george hill would be would fit amazingly what about uh, off the bench for the milwaukee buck <laughs> I mean, they could reacquire. They can reacquire him because he went to another team. Yeah. So yeah, that's actually that's actually a kosher trade. That's another one because of the hard cap. It gets it gets difficult. Did that end up being a four team deal with Milwaukee involved, or was four other teams that I'm forgetting? Oh wait a minute. Yeah, I think it was all part of the same. It was all part of the same trade, wasn't it? You're right. You're right. I I added thought of it in my head because we just we heard about him going to New Orleans much earlier, but then when they actually yeah um. Yeah, Let's you're right. Let's see here. Uh, you, know who Philly? Could, you know who could really use him is Memphis, actually. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Philly, actually, I think he would be a very nice fit there, for sure. Toronto would could really use a third guard so that Kyle Lowry and Fred Van Bleet don't have to play 40 minutes a game, particularly if Powell is going to keep looking the way he does. The Wizards yeah. of Washington could certainly use an upgrade who can as a point guard because apparently Scott Brooks believes that you have to have two point guards on the floor anytime Bradley Beal is off the floor, so at least... Unless you have three yeah yeah minimum two <laughs> yeah we've seen westbrook smith netto in a couple of situations if i recall correctly yeah so i guess the question becomes is the asking price a first now hill is under contract non-guaranteed for next year which is nice yeah uh, very helpful that so so he does have some value there so i mean i think the structure will be along the lines of many of these for okc where part of it is to get your first round pick is the player but then the other part is dumping a, a crappy salary yes yeah um yeah i mean i think he'd be a totally solid fit in dallas i mean he's the the type of guy we talked about who uh brooklyn actually could probably use a oh they could use him now for sure yeah 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 and and you know i'm not sure what's happening with dinwiddie i mean maybe they would feel like they would just they could move dinwiddie as well no no what it would be obviously would be uh prince prince for hill that's it yeah they save some money uh and maybe they send either one of their young prospects or possibly a, a first maybe they're saving those first for like the big move but i'm not sure what that is but yeah with Dinwiddie out and also probably someone that they can't afford to resign next year and it Dinwiddie would probably want to be a starting point guard somewhere as well yeah I'm sure yeah Dinwiddie is as good as gone after the year so they have to you know make something out of that contract and uh you know we'll see what happens with Jared Allen here too 
yeah, the Boston Celtics could really use George Hill. I mean, there's a lot of teams. Yeah. As long as he stays healthy, and uh, I think he will be getting copious. Okay, you want to do like two more here? Yeah, sure. Yeah, George Hill, Boston is actually a good one. That's that's one to keep an eye. I mean, the Celtics need perimeter depth of any kind. Um, you want to do this Wizards one? This is a good one. Yeah, sure. Hang on here. Yeah, uh, <laughs> Ronnie Schafferin asks... How do you think Denny's development will be impacted by the Westbrook Wall trade? Uh, best regards from Israel. Um, nice to know we have uh, some overseas fans. Yeah, it's uh, it's interesting because he is very comfortable playing on the ball, and that's a little bit more how he played in Europe. And he's probably never really touching the ball in that way on a team with Westbrook and Wall. I mean, you can see uh, even in these first couple games. I mean, Westbrook, the way he plays, it's just hard for some of these other guys to to get as involved. Uh, I see with Bertans a little bit. I mean, he's been on a restriction, a minutes restriction too, but it's just harder to get get into the some of the stuff they ran for him where they get you know a lot of those deep threes with him coming off early curls and whatnot because Russ just takes a ball and he just goes and and I think that hurts uh Opti a little bit too well and particularly because anytime you're going to do something on the ball then that means Russell Westbrook doesn't have it and he's not getting guarded yeah that's 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 the other part of it and you know Abdia likes to do the grab and go but I think he's probably I mean Russ is going to take some of those rebounds though especially off of free throws he's going to take all of them <laughs> and uh yeah so that 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 can get in the way a little bit too yeah, so I mean, he, he's made good use of the very few touches that he's had he's making his three pointers and i think defensively i thought he's he's willing to stick his nose in there you know he's, he's been i think you know looks like he can become a quality option there but yeah yeah I'd, i mean i'd say overall like i i think he's looked fine right yeah. i haven't i haven't been like oh wow <laughs> not sure about that one like I mean, he's out there and he's not killing them that's pretty good yeah. for a rookie yeah absolutely okay let me pick the last one here all right good good question here uh from uh Calvaden. okay who do you like more mikhail bridges or og and anobi who is the better defender and who has the highest ceiling oh boy this is hard not for me you're your team and anobi all the way right i am particularly when you get into the playoffs i, I think you know bridges I, I thought his game against brandon ingram last night was instructive because anytime they tried to run anything for ingram off the ball he just shut him down completely and mm-hmm. on the ball though he really was not able to contain ingram in isolation he just didn't have that level of physical force that you need and ingram was just able to kind of power through him for some straight line drives whenever he really attacked him in isolation it looked pretty good even obviously the suns killed him last night but uh and you know going back to the bubble the off ball stuff bridges just shuts that down now fortunately for the suns they have jay crowder to kind of take up those strength matchups mm-hmm. but i mean og Ananobi is the best isolation defender in the league. And I think I like OG a little bit better offensively than Bridges as well. Um, but he's just he's just bigger. It's it, he's got more versatility. He can take on more guys. Whereas I just don't. I'm not sure that Bridges. He's just the body type. He's a little too thin. You know, right. maybe he can eventually develop that like Trevor Ariza old man strength years from now in his core. But as of now, you know, I, I don't trust him to guard LeBron James or Kevin Durant uh, or you know Jason Tatum in a playoff series. And I do trust OG and OB to do that. So at the highest levels, give me OG. Yeah, it's still I 
I still think Bridges has a little more to him offensively than than OG does. I mean, he turns down shots a lot, but I, I feel like he just has a little more juice to him as far as like off the dribble and and kind of playing in the flow, a little better feel for the game. So I think he makes up some of that margin there. But I, I can't I can't dispute you like as a you know the gold standard is can I put this guy in LeBron James? And I, I feel a lot better putting OG on him than I than I do Bridges. Yeah, no, that is that is the gold standard, and I think you know Bridges is a little better off the dribble, a little better passer but I, I think OG has actually made himself into a little bit better of a spot shooter Bridges kind of has that long looping release you know like I don't know that for example Bridges could have hit that shot that OG hit to uh win that game three last year against the Celtics for example he wouldn't he wouldn't have gotten it away yeah yeah um we'll see I mean his, Bridges contract will be fascinating because I think OG took a little bit of a discount and will have had 2021 free agency when I think guys are going to get paid just mountains of money this year with all the money that's there yeah on the league so I wouldn't shock me if Bridges got more than OG, particularly because OG took the player option. I think that's why he ended up getting less. Mm-hmm. But I, I do like OG a little bit better. Um, all right. Well, hopefully you guys enjoyed this episode. Mailbag, we will be back next week in the new year where I can successfully talk about things having happened last year as opposed to today. And uh, what did you write about for The Athletic this week, John? Uh, so, yeah, I just filed about uh, 2021 free agency. So uh, pretty psyched. Uh, my top 21 free agency. For twenty for twenty twenty one, I'm impressed that you were able to get to that. It's actually not that hard. It's actually a pretty good crop in terms of guys who are worth more than the mid level. That you make a good point there. There, like the point guard market is solid. The two guard market is very solid. Fair number of restricted guys are still going to be out there. Yeah, it's gonna, and that's that's even taking out like if you figure Chris Paul won't be a free agent, if you figure Drew Holiday won't, if you figure Schroeder probably won't. It's still a pretty deep free agent market it's just the star power has been completely uh neutered or whatever man holiday that's gonna be fascinating there's so many elements to that there's the pre-trade did they kind of work out an extension that they have to wait to do because Mm -hmm. of the six month carmelo anthony rule and does he look at everything that's happened around the league where Giannis now is staying which actually ironically makes drew's market way better than it would have been if these teams were kind of saving money for Giannis and so is he like because you would think that they at least had somewhat of the outline of what that extension would need to be but if i'm drew holiday and i look at all these extensions and i'm the best free agent on the market i'm like ooh, i might want to kind of i mean I, you know yeah the bucks don't mind reneging on a deal so it, you, they, they, can't exactly cry, they can't exactly cry foul i mean if i'm drew holiday i'm like hey you, you know i'm gonna wait until free agency and you better give me the five-year max which is more than he could have gotten in the extension yeah you're right that's that's going to be a really interesting thing to follow um, he's eligible for the 35 percent max too he's been around forever he was one of the youngest rookies in the one and done era yeah exactly exactly my uh my guy ed stefanski picked him in philly all right well we'll uh we'll have to see how that plays out and we'll see how this next week or so plays out maybe we'll we'll do a little like time to panic type of thing next week i think that that'll be interesting uh all right we'll talk to you all then Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, (laughs) That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. 
every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.